welcome to the shitstorm that is 2021 already. Already. <laughs> I, se- I, I have tried my seven-day free trial. I am canceling it. <laughs> oh, we can only go up from here, I guess. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Hi, listeners. Fingers crossed. Oh, man. So, um, <laughs> Uh, here we are starting 2021. First, I want to say thank you to everybody over the course of 2020 who did support the, the Patreon. Um, it has ended. And I, again, want to thank everybody who helped support the podcast while we, uh, there was financial struggles going on to keep it alive. Because uh, it costs money to run this thing through, uh, you know, pod servers and everything. So thank yep. you so much for that. Uh, back at a point where I can financially do it, so so again, thanks. Yeah, we don't want to. Um, we don't want to bilk anybody. Once once we were back in back in you know flush, we and we might bring it back later if we have some cool stuff. But yeah, for now, yeah. we're good. Yeah, we're good now. So again, thank you so much. 2021. Uh, I've already planned the first half of the year for movies, and Mr. Farmer does not even know yet what those are. But I've, I've I have promised him it's going to be a fun ride. And we're beginning it with the 1980 film Popeye, the movie. Um, this is a movie that you're either going to love or you're going to hate. There's no in-between with Popeye at all. There's no middle ground. People either love it or they hate it. Where do you stand with Popeye? Me? Here's the thing. Like, I haven't seen it since I was a child. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really long time. I don't remember disliking it. You know, I, I, whenever somebody, and I always point this out because I do have some, fa- some fairly, you know, vivid memories of, of the Popeye movie. And I always point out whenever somebody's, somebody gets, gets all up in their uh, feels, when somebody gets head up about the Battleship movie or the Sonic movie mm-hmm. or the, you know, the Josie and the Pussycats movie, like, you know, there was a Popeye movie starring Robin Williams and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the the the, the put upon wife from the shining right you know that more, <laughs> both movies more, by the way the shining and popeye came out in the same year 1980 which i love no wonder she went off you know <laughs> just poor 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 woman um she got Anne haste real bad oh yeah uh, Except she didn't wind up in the back uh, yard of someone inside the pool claiming her name was Celestia. So that we know of, <laughs> we know. Of. Um, so so yeah, I I have fond memories. I remember enjoying it. You know, um, I the thing is that you know I was a, I didn't have a strong attachment to Popeye as a child. You know, I, I was a little, I was a little past Popeye. I was a little, you know, the target audience for that movie in 1980 was weird. Yeah. You know, because Popeye, while while continually relevant, it, it you know, in the way that Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse or Woody Woodpecker is, wasn't necessarily like in the zeitgeist for you know, for somebody that was like six or seven, the way that like, a, I, I, you know, it was a nostalgia movie geared, I think, towards o- the older crowd. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it missed its mark there. But mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And see, and I grew up on Popeye cartoons. So when I heard they were making a Popeye movie and it was starring Mork from Mork and Mindy, I got excited um so i had to go see this movie interesting little story by the way about going to see this movie it it opened up at um hilltop mall in my neighborhood at the and this was a movie theater that was built just so that they could screen star wars when it came out by the way okay and the theater was a hit so they decided to keep it around so I don't know if maybe they were afraid of the film being a flop because of early word of mouth of the film. So I don't know if they thought this was a way to put butts in the seat. But I remember when they had Popeye at our theater, since it was released through Paramount Pictures, they decided to team it up with another Paramount movie as a double feature. 
I don't know if any other theaters did this or not. If any other, if you were old enough for when this film came out, and if your theater did this, please let us know. This was a double feature with Airplane. What? Yes. Now, is it slapsticky? Is that why? Or I don't know what their thinking was because I mean, when I think of Popeye, which is a family-friendly movie, I don't think of Airplane which features two jive talkers and a shot of tits at one point in the film. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was actually the first time I had seen Airplane also was when it was a double feature with Popeye. I mean, I laughed at some of the physical comedy or I didn't get the verbal jokes until I got older, like the, 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 the coffee black joke I didn't get till I was older. Um, but it was, it's such an looking back, I'm like, that is not the double feature I would have put <laughs> with Popeye, but that's what we got. And of course, we had to sit through Airplane first before we could see Popeye. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time. Also, I'm looking forward to revisiting. I actually just recently bought the Blu-ray that came out of uh, the restoration. Um, I mainly bought the Blu-ray for the special features because it contains one of the last interviews with Robin Williams. Yeah, and you kindly gave me uh, the digital copy so that I could share in your misery. So yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, one of the things I'm curious to see about as a special feature on there is because this film was filmed on location in the island of Malta. And they literally built the entire city of Sweet Haven from the ground up in Malta at a place called Anchor Bay. So right. you're, what you're seeing is not like a backlot set or anything. They built this entire functioning town. All the movie sets and everything is the interiors of the building and everything else. So the only time that they ever actually did anything that was not on this set was the, the in the final third act when we had the, the, the battle between Popeye and Bluto over Olive Oil and Sweepy. But the rest of the film is, I mean, literally, they built this fully functional city, so much to the point where after the filming was over, Malta decided to turn it into a theme park. And it still runs today as Sweet Haven, the theme park. And they have people dressed up as Popeye and Olive Oil and all the other people that, you know, ran around the town of Sweet Haven acting out as Popeye and Olive Oil and Bluto and you name it. Well, and that's, I think, one of the most interesting things. I can't think of another instance, really, of that happening. Sure, I mean, and mainly because most movies don't go to an actual country in an actual town, build up a build up a movie set. You know, usually they're using existing, like when, when films shot in my hometown, you know, they put facade over, you know, the buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really interesting to me that this still exists to this day, and you can, and you can see it. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, and that and that they they kept it and they applauded it. Um, you know, granted the movie was fairly widely panned, yeah. but you know, from from all the instances of all the things that I've read about the movie, you know, it was a good experience for Malta. Like, um, it, not only did it bring in um, you know uh, tourist revenue and things like that, but also it. Um, like there have been instances, you know, where like Robin Williams or, or the, the cast and crew would like buy like food for everybody in town because it's not, you know, there's not that many people out there. So like all kinds of stuff like that, it, it, that's always that's a really interesting um, part of this adventure is not just the fact that it's a movie, you know, that was panned and we're going to watch it because it's now a cult movie starring one of the, you know, arguably one of the greatest actors of our time, but yeah. the movie itself, I think more than I'm um, probably more than any other movie we've watched um, has a really unique story behind the creation of the film, you know, like, maybe not, uh, maybe not that goddamn movie with the apple, what was it? Uh, <laughs> which also came out in 1980. Um, screw but... you 1980. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Popeye has such, you know, a rich history behind it. I mean, yeah, Malta is proud of this film and they're proud of their involvement uh, with this film. Uh, it also, uh, the only reason why this film actually came into existence uh, was for a couple of reasons. One, Paramount wanted to make a film adaptation of the musical Annie so badly. They, but they, yeah, they were horny for it. Yeah, they lost the rights to Columbia Pictures, which is now Sony. 
so uh, producer Robin Evans was very upset about this. So he was looking for another uh, old fashioned comic strip cartoon character like Little Orphan Annie was that they could turn into a musical. And someone attended uh, that was attending the meeting said, well, why not Popeye? And, you know, immediately he's like green like that sucker. And they go and they hire Harry Nilsson, a prolific writer from the 60s to write the music, which. Yeah, they did that. I don't I didn't understand as a kid who the hell Harry Nilsson is. But now growing up and after working in a music store and everything, I look back and I'm like, uh, that's not who I would have hired to write a, a music for a family friendly musical. But okay, let's go with it. Right. And then they go and hire director Robert Altman out of all people, the guy who directed MASH and Nashville <laughs> to direct this film. And uh, for those who are not familiar with Robert Altman's style, he loves these movies where people are over talking on each other. Yeah. And that's very present in this film, too. So I know that's one of the things that was off putting for a lot of people with this. And plus, another thing that was off putting was that it didn't match the, the the flair and the style of the cartoons. And that's because the screenplay and Robert, and Robert Altman based this more off of the comic strip uh, or what it was known as Thimble Theater back then, where Popeye first appeared. So it really reached far back to the early days of Popeye. And people were more familiar with the cartoon than they sure. were the comic strip. Um, the... I mean, there is elements from the cartoon that are in there, like the the goofy ass looking um, octopus that appears in the film is very cartoonish. Uh, uh, Robin Williams uh, does, you know, the the typical Popeye mumbling, which, by the way, the muttering voice after they were done filming, it was so inaudible that they had to bring him back in to overdub it. I think it's perfect (laughs) because you never see Popeye's mouth move in the cartoons anyway when he's doing the mumbling. So I think it's perfect. Uh, all sorts of weird uh, characters, um, especially in Olive Oil's family. Like there's one uh, character at the uh, – I'm, I'm reading here. There was one character at the wedding scene when Olive is supposed to be marrying Bluto that's complaining about the two getting married. Um, it turned out that he was the original love interest in the comic strip before Popeye came around. His character's name is Ham Gravy. And that so so like those are what uh, like CBR or, uh, you know, uh, IO9 now refer to as Easter eggs. Yes. Like which, which, <laughs> one day we'll have to have a conversation yeah. about, quote unquote, Easter eggs on this show, because nothing infuriates me more than uh, Steve, than, uh, uh Steve Trevor's watch in Wonder Woman being an Easter egg. Like, <laughs> kiss my ass. Like, that's not that it's Steve Trevor's watch. It's there as a plot point. It's not an Easter egg. You're supposed to see it like that drives the plot. You dumb shit. Sorry. Keep going. I get very upset. Um. The other thing that it was interesting, I mean, we talk about how this this film is very polarizing. Two people who actually like uh, this movie are two people who no, you wouldn't no. think uh, is two people that you wouldn't think would have enjoyed a film like this. But Siskel and Ebert gave it two glorious thumbs up when this thing came out. Um, they felt that Robert Altman managed to uh, embrace the the magical world of Popeye and. I do remember, you know, when they say magical world, the opening number to this movie, which is the song Dear Sweet Haven, which sounds like a Mexican funeral march, um, is not what I think of when I think of magical because it's so depressing of a song. I, literally, everyone is singing it like this. Dear Sweet Haven, God must love us. I'm like, yeah, happy, peppy, fun. Right, it's a dirge. <laughs> uh, but yeah, literally, people were split on this thing. The critics were split, audiences were split, and they still are. To me, I see this movie as a perfect example of casting gone right. Because... Robin Williams was such an excellent choice to play this character of Popeye, and I'm sorry for the cat in the background. Got, hey, listen, Nibbler's got words about this. He wants <laughs> you to understand. There, there were a lot of fish in this movie. Nibbler likes fish. He wants you to know that. It was in a seaside town. He thinks he could have flourished there. <laughs> um, 
thing is, is, is that originally Robin Williams was not what was not supposed to play the role. They originally wanted Dustin Hoffman to play the role of Popeye. That's insane. Yeah, and they really wanted him to play Popeye. But uh, uh, Robert Altman kept pressing for Robin Williams because of his performance on Mork and Mindy and felt that, you know, that he would make a good turn as this character. And Robin Williams, you know, he had bit parts here and there in films, but he never had he didn't have an actual starring role yet. This was his first starring role. And it turned out to be a good gamble because even though the film was, you know, mixed, mixed received, he's went on to have such a prolific career up until his uh, unfortunate death. Yeah, this film really was the launching pad for his longevity after Mark and Mindy. So for that, we have to applaud the movie for, for, you know, doing that. The other interesting casting is in Olive Oil because the role of Olive Oil was originally supposed to go to Gilda Radner. Uh, But again, Robert Altman suggested that we go with Shelley Duvall and Upon seeing footage of Shelley Duvall in Nashville, they said, "Okay, yeah, she'd be perfect for it." Uh, who, you know, uh, Shelley Duvall was also, you know, when she was in Nashville, she worked with Robert Altman in that. But what's funny is that when Shelley Duvall was growing up, she was called Olive Oil by the bullies. Yeah. So, so it came full circle that now she's playing the character that she was bullied about when she was growing up. Yeah, I have a I have a little bit of a problem uh, imagining Gilda Radner in that role. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, as much as I love Gilda Radner, I just now hear Roseanne Rosanna Dana as. <laughs> oh, and I think I think she could pull it off. Make no mistake. You know, I I think that one hundred percent she could pull it off because um, she's a genius. But I don't think it would have been as natural. You know, I think you're tapping into something natural with Shelley Duvall in that role, kind of that uh, that weird anxiety, you know, and and that kind of frenetic energy that I don't think you would have gotten without pushing Gilda Radner to get there or making it even more over the top than it should have been. So I think it was a good choice. Yeah. Now, um, before Robert Altman did agree to direct the movie, the original people who were lined up to direct the movie uh, were uh, Louis Mal. Uh, for those who don't know who uh, Louis Mal is, uh, Lou, or I don't know if it's pronounced Louis or if it's Louis. I know the last name is Mal, M-A-L-L-E. Um, Louis Mal um, <clears throat> directed things like Atlantic City, uh, Au Revoir Les Affons, you know, a lot of foreign stuff. And... Uh, Vanya on the 23rd floor and uh, station, uh, you know, just a bunch of like real upper crust type stuff, basically. Sure. And uh, I mean, his most famous one is going to be one that I love to make jokes about, which is my dinner with Andre. But he was originally lined up to direct it. And he was just like, no, this is this is beneath me, basically. So then they offered it to Jerry Lewis. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I'm glad Jerry Lewis said no, because I, I don't know how this movie would have been if Jerry Lewis would have directed it. I think it would have been too wacky and borderline racist. Uh, I think it would have been racist and borderline wacky. <laughs> or, or that, too. Yeah. Um. The, <laughs> the other interesting tidbit about this film, it's a major tidbit, is, is that this was the first of two films that Paramount co-produced with Walt Disney Pictures. Uh, Walt Disney Pictures at the time was courting then-Paramount employee Michael Eisner and wanted Michael Eisner to come and basically save the Walt Disney Company. So they agree. They went into agreement to make this movie plus also Dragon Slayer with Paramount. Nice. nice. And so you've got that little goal. So basically, this is the birth of Michael Eisner coming in, saving Disney, then ruining Disney. Um, but this is not only a co-production between Walt Disney Pictures and Paramount. This is also Walt Disney's Pictures' first film to have the word shit in it. Really? Yes. 
because uh, at one point during the battle, you hear Popeye say, shit. And this was long before the advent of Touchstone Pictures. Uh, so it's interesting to have a Disney production with the S-bomb in it. Now, was was the shit intentional or was that just because, as we know, you know, going down the road through Robin Williams career <laughs> and him as a person, did the, did the shit slip out and you and they were just like, nah, we can't find a good way to cut it through his muttering. Let's just uh, we're just going to leave it in. I'm going to guess that because, yeah, Robin Williams was known for every time you do a take with him, it's not going to be the same. So unless he's like doing some serious acting, but. In this case, it's supposed to be, you know, comical family fun you know, with the word shit in it. So right. it's very Transformers the movie here, you know, with the, with the shit word. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's – it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other things that were landmark about this. Uh, oh, uh, this is Linda Hunt's acting debut. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so it's not only Robin Williams' big picture debut, but it's also uh, her act- acting debut. So we'll see Linda Hunt in there. Uh, the music, is, uh, is, the music I remember being a mixed bag, but there was one song in particular from this film that went on to have a life of its own, and that is the song "He Needs Me" by uh, Shelley Duvall, because it became a major part in the movie Punch Drunk Love years later. And also became a popular song to use in commercials as well, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but for some reason, that that song seemed to resonate over the years out of, out of, out of all of them. So I, I, I myself, I think it's a cute song, but I don't, you know, I don't get it. But <laughs> say, Javi, you know. Uh, I remember there was talks about if this film was going to be a hit that they wanted to do a sequel and bring in characters like the Jeep and the Sea Hag uh, that came about, but it never happened. There was never a sequel to this. It was never greenlit because of the eh, reaction to the film. Although sure. I think I think it did make some money. I can't remember exactly what the box office was for Popeye, but I know that it really picked up steam and popularity over the years thanks to it being shown on hbo and and stuff like that but um let me see if i can find out what the i mean i think i watched it on vhs yeah trying to see if i can find out what the box office gross was well it actually was a hit uh, it was a box office hit uh modest it cost 20 million dollars to make which back in 1980 is the equivalent to a transformers movie today <laughs> right um <laughs> for sure it did. It did gross uh, forty nine million eight hundred and twenty three thousand thirty seven dollars in the U S. alone. So it was a hit, just okay. probably not the hit that Paramount was hoping it to be. Sure. Uh, so so there's that at least. Um, this was also this film was uh, also filmed in VistaVision, uh, which is means like way beyond regular uh, <laughs> stretch out screen wise. And I, I'm looking forward to revisiting this again. What about you? Yeah, I am too. You know, like I said, I, I have fond memories of it. Um, I, I I think that even when they made it, it was campy. Like it wasn't like it wasn't campy now. I think when they made it, somehow it was campy as they were making it unintentionally. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that camp holds up 40 years later. Oh yeah. Uh, to see to see exactly you know how it plays out because even in watching the trailer for it, um, you know Robin Williams just looks so damn young, so young. Um, and I forgot that some of the prosthetic work and some of the stuff that they did with uh, with effects with practical effects is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know this is the heyday of the the practical effects. So um you know getting i don't um, i can't imagine i can't imagine and maybe it's in some of the uh, you'll have to once you watch the uh special features you have to let me know um how robin williams reacted to having to sit for a prosthetic like i can not just for the face but for the arms like the arms and the face yeah i can't imagine so maybe they maybe they touch on that because I can I imagine he's just losing his ever loving mind during that time period. So yeah, let's look for that too. 
either that or he's making comments that's making the uh, people putting on the makeup suddenly slip and uh, right. <laughs> like right. please, Mr. Williams, we're trying to concentrate here. The two and a half hour uh, applique for the for the prosthetics becomes a seven hour because they just have to keep going back because he just will just keep making people laugh until they you know every Robin Williams movie takes three times as long to film mm. as as a standard movie because you can't get anything done. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, alrighty, so let's go ahead and dive into the world of Sweet Haven, and we will be right back with our thoughts of revisiting uh, Popeye the movie now as adults. What am I? I'm Papa, the sailor, and I am what I am, what I am, and I am what I am, and that's all that I am, cause I am what I am. Uh, you got it? I think so, yeah. And I've got a lot of muscle, and I only got one eye, and I've never heard nobody, so I'll never tell a lie. Top to me bottoms, from the bottoms to me top, that's the way it is, to the days that I drop. Trust only, baby. You're a baby. It says here, right there, right. Robin Williams. <laughs> Shelley Duvall. You're pulling me high. In Popeye. Get away! Olive, 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 all right and we're back folks we're back we're back from sweet haven aka malta <laughs> yes yes we are and um we survived popeye the movie sold in malta <laughs> <laughs> they're better off for it somehow i don't know <laughs> They did better than Roy and I did. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I actually watched the special features on the Blu-ray. Uh, the the interviews are sweet. I mean, it's it's um, the last interview with uh, with Robin Williams, and then also there were some interview segments with Robert Altman, and they showed uh, production stills from the construction of the of the city in Malta and everything, and how it's now become this theme park. A uh, couple of interesting things that they revealed in the documentary was when they, they built the buildings, they purposely did not use any tools of measurement to build the building to make them just look all dilop- dilapidated and and cartoonish and, and weird. So I feel they like could, I read that somewhere, too. Yeah, I feel like at some point I read that. So that's why things don't look as good as they should basically um the whole goddamn movie made me feel i i like i said i saw it when i was younger like a lot younger the whole movie made me feel just super uneasy so i'm sure we'll talk about it but i just want to get that out of the way oh definitely um the other thing that they revealed about the movie was apparently the set was cursed because every time they attempted to film a storm would come in and rain on the set and a couple of buildings caught on fire uh, and so that's the reason why they went over budget um, so much to the point where they ran out of money for the ending and didn't know what to do. They did not know how to end this film. So that's why we got the ending that we did to Popeye. Um, it was apparently, apparently supposed to be a more elaborate production number instead of Robin Williams walking on water. Like, Which, by Christ, the way, in HD... 
in yeah. HD, you can absolutely see the platform. Oh, certainly. You definitely see the platform. And even Robin Williams, they're, 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 they, uh, Robin Williams was like, Robert Altman came up to me and said, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to end this movie. And just as a joke, Robin Williams, Popeye walks on water like Jesus. And Robert Altman went with it. He said, I was not serious when I said that. But <laughs> he went with it. Uh, the other moment where this, they ran out of the budget for the special effects uh, to the point where they actually took the special effects crew home from Malta back to the United States. So the scenes where we see Olive Oil wrestling with the octopus, she's doing it Ed Wood style, basically. Right. She's actually controlling the tentacles herself when she's <laughs> fighting the octopus in the water, which is just I mean, so she had to deal with that and Stanley Kubrick in the same year. So there you go. Well, and not to mention the fact that uh, the the uh, exhaust uh, port the that she the, that she was in was just 100 percent cardboard. Oh yeah, just 100 percent not not structurally sound. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a script. Yeah. Well, was there? I don't even know if there was a script. Now I get your joke that you made to me. Uh, when we were watching it about uh, drink every time somebody says they owe, he owes them an apology. Oh, my God. That was getting too much. It's like, OK, we get it. We get it enough. And, yeah, didn't Popeye's mom look like um, oh, God, yes. Kate McKinnon? <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know she was in this movie. She's a time traveler. Like immediately I was like, holy shit, that is 100 percent. And I recognized everyone in the film like that's the thing is like it was like watching a tim burton movie just knowing that that's tim burton's cast you know it's the same (laughs) idea oh man this this movie has not aged well i um i even in the interview with robin williams he was talking about the hollywood premiere and how you know it was they were showing photos and video i mean it was a star-studded event and he said people walked out of the theater with this look on their face like uh, someone just farted on their pasta. And he said, he said that um, one of the producers of the movie leaned over to him and said, welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> I didn't realize Bill Irwin was in this until I was watching it. I don't know if we yeah. ever talked about it, but that was that was a nice that was a nice surprise. His character's name is Ham Gravy, by the way. Mm, we did talk about that at, yeah. on part one, but, but I, did, I don't think I put two and two film. together until I was actually watching it. And I was like, well, that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, this was but, his first big film role, actually, was was Popeye also. So it was it was both of them. I, it took a while for Bill Irwin to take on like uh, take off like Robin Williams did. But Bill Irwin eventually came into his own. Linda Hunt was in it. Didn't realize yep. Linda Hunt was in it until I was watching it. Um, <laughs> th- there was a, there was a lot that that I didn't realize until and and I knew immediately that that Henry Nielsen soundtrack or that Harry <laughs> Nielsen soundtrack like immediately I was like yeah of course it is like because that makes sense for this movie. Because yeah, when I pop I think of Harry Nielsen, you know. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of this movie was the first 30 seconds where they had to remind you who Popeye was. You're in the movie. You're at the movie theater. And you're going to show me uh, the beginning of a Popeye cartoon to remind me of who Popeye is, you sons of bitches. (laughs) Really? That's what you're going to do? You're going to insult me from the first 30 seconds of the film. I appreciate that. Well, that reminds me of, of a joke on, on the gay LGBT movie Girls Will Be Girls on the DVD version of it. Because you've already seen the movie because you, you know you bought the film and you've already owned it and you've watched the film. But in the special features, there's a menu listing. And the menu listing actually has actors from the movie in it talking about the special features. And Coco Peru says, oh, look, there's the trailer to pique your interest in the movie you just saw. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, this movie was just well-intentioned, but a pile of bad ideas. Oh. I, I, I think if, because you could tell that Robin Williams and and Shelley Duvall, and I can't remember the actor's name who played Wimpy, um, 
and even Ray Walston, you know that they wanted to do the cartoon version. Well, they tried so hard. So badly, but but Robert Altman and the script writers were so insistent on doing the comic strip version of Popeye, which makes me go, you know, your target audience is not going to know the comic strip. The target audience is kids. And your target audience is dead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the target audience they were going for were, were you know, th- their favorite thing was pablum in, um, in their retirement homes. <laughs> yeah, it was – I am going to categorize this as a movie in a minor key. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I felt like the entire movie was keyed down. Like yeah. it, like it's not a major key movie. Like like you would expect it to be and I, I know that it's Popeye, but you would expect it to at least be like somewhat cheery, somewhat bright, somewhat upbeat. Energy. And it's yeah. Yeah. Some energy behind it. Some of the the music was all because it was Harry Nielsen, it was all kind of minor key folky, you know, music. You know, the acting was very lethargic. Mm-hmm. Um, the sets were dreary. There yeah. was no, there was nothing, there was nothing bright nope. about it. It was, it was a minor key movie. It may, it, it literally was like, kind of like watching a David Lynch film. <laughs> and I, and, and not for like the, like, but it, it felt like something like that could happen in that world. Yeah. You know, like at any given time, some crazy shit could go down. It, yeah. it, at any at any given time, like Cthulhu could show up. Like this could be, <laughs> this could be an H.P. Lovecraft story easily, easily. It could have been. Um, speaking of, I found Sweet out Haven, Sweet Haven meets Dagon, basically. Uh. Yes, yes. It's another Dagon. Uh, it's another it's another a Dagon adaptation without the without the the uh, the sea people. That's all it is. Dear Sweet Innsworth. When they went out for the buried treasure, it could have been Dagon right there. That last half hour of the movie, nobody saw it coming. That could have been the movie. And the octopus was uh, basically Cthulhu's baby. Yes. Um, (laughs) I found this movie much more palatable once I convinced myself that it was a prequel set 50 years before the events of Waterworld. And it works a lot better that way. (laughs) See, I call this film Muted Chaos. Which okay. is a good way to describe it's Robert like, Altman movies. It's like you're yeah. at a club and they're playing this really awesome song. You're dancing on the dance floor and you're waiting for the bass to drop. And it doesn't. Right. Yeah. It's a very one note film. It, yeah. It, it, it is. It is. And that's the thing is that Popeye. Yeah. There's chaos that goes on, especially in the early black and white, you know, Fleischer cartoons there is that chaos and you know and Popeye's constantly muttering under his voice like Robin Waves is doing in this film but even in black and white there was a lot of energy and a lot of life to the Popeye cartoons that this movie honestly didn't have until they got to the Treasure Island or or Scab Rock or whatever they called it and Popeye and Bluto started fighting each other and I'm like okay finally we get to what a Popeye cartoon is like But we had to wait an hour and 50 minutes to get there. You get Bluto yeah. just misogynistically, like, ripping up a town. Yeah. For, for like, 45 minutes of this film. And, like, never getting his until... Uh, it's a really long film, too. It really it's two is. hours. For, for a movie that came out in, what, 80... 1980, yeah. Two hours is a long uh, genre film. Especially you know. when it's aimed towards children, you know, that's, yeah. that, that's a, that's, that's a lot of time to commit to a child or to ask a child of 1980 to commit to, to watch. I mean, for no payoff yeah. for the child, mm-hmm. no payoff for the child. Like it was creepy because like the, they did the cartoon shoes and they really focused on the cartoon shoes a lot. Especially olives, yeah. Well, it's but, been 40 years. I'm waiting for the third act. <laughs> but they never, but they never, like, but that was creepy. Like, mm-hmm. the cartoon, like, because it wasn't a cartoon. Like, yeah. You know, the only cartoonish thing, the only two cartoonish things, really, about the whole movie were the shoes and Popeye's arms and mm-hmm. the, and, and his dad's arms. But that was it. 
Like, that's creepy. Yeah. Just one thing. That's what I mean. It was like David Lynch. One thing is off. I mean, even the segment where when Bluto sees Popeye and Olive Oil holding Sweet Pea and they do the whole Bluto seeing red. I mean, even that just comes off as. Yeah, because I get the joke, you know, everything that he saw was red and they were all dressed in red. But to me, they should should have went all the way and just painted everything including the skin tone red to to bring the that's what they would have done in the cartoon to you know sell the joke is literally or either that or just have a red film or filter over the scene instead of doing what they did mm-hmm. and to me it was just a, a, a like the rest of the film a lot of failed good ideas like the scene where uh, Popeye gets punched and does the backflips down the ramp and then rolls like a hoop yeah like, that was creepy. That wasn't funny. That wasn't, uh, you know, cartoony. It was, like, no. creepy. It was, like, exorcist, you know, like, level creepy. Like, it didn't I mean, look funny. You know yeah. what I mean? If he would have just done the flips and then crashed, that would have been one thing. That, that, that would have been slapsticky. But, yeah, when he turned into that weird spider walk wheel that you could yeah. obviously tell was not a person – uh, I it just it was it, it did it came off very uncomfortably. I mean, then you follow it up with a with a Popeye gag of, you know, him being hammered into the pier like a nail, and I'm right. like, hey, you know, that would have worked if we didn't see that creepy wheel version of Popeye early. Right, like, like again though, I, I do think this is a prequel to Waterworld because like. The boxing match rolls up on a boat. Like, come on. This is just this is just Waterworld, right? Everybody just this is fifty years when there was still some land left. There's some other questionable moments in this film also, like um the the the, the brothel slash horse racing oh, boat sure. that's that's sinking. I, I never ever thought I would ever see whores depicted as whores in a children's movie. Right. And, and I mean, there was no subtle. It was very obvious that these were painted whores. And I, they, their faces were painted up the way that prostitutes were back in that time. And there's even a scene when, when Popeye's finally had enough and he's taking Sweepy away from all the debauchery, you see him throw a half naked man out of one of the prostitutes rooms and I'm right. like, that's not subtle at all. We know exactly what's going on right there. You know, here, children, sex. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, let's let's just briefly discuss the uh, the Wonder Woman '84 moment where um, the uh, instead of uh, just pretending that uh, Steve Trevor didn't just embody a man's you know a, a man's corporeal form and just left him to uh, to rot in whatever nether universe until he got sick of it. Um, they had a baby swap and did nothing to find the mother. It was just like, yep, yeah. yeah, this is ours now. Yeah. It's, just, it's like the, it. the mother left it there with that note saying, you know, raise this child until he gets old enough for me to retake him back. And Popeye and all his first reaction is, ah, and they accept him in. And I'm like, uh, okay. That's not how this works. <laughs> That's not what we're doing. Uh, yeah um another questionable uh choice is i i think out of all the questionable nielsen musical numbers in this film i mean some of them do work like he needs me is still a good song i I still love that song Um, that's the best song in the whole soundtrack and uh popeye when he's the best thing about the whole movie yeah Yeah. and when popeye's singing the lullaby to sweet pea I, i mean i love those moments but then we have Ray Walston's songs. Um, Not Easy Being Me could have been left out. And kids. The, yeah, I, I did not realize that that whole moment of him ranting on the ship about was children a song? Was, was an a song. actual song. <laughs> it's an actual song. And I'm like, you've right? got to be kidding me. And that whole grandpa's th- off his meds again. Yeah, that whole well, both thing. Both songs were just grandpa's off his meds again, yeah. really. Yeah. I was like, okay, when it comes to trimming the fat, here's fat right here that needs to be trimmed off this film. It's these two moments right here. 
especially that that whole segment of them getting to scab rock we did not need that at all let me interject one thing real quick about the whole thing with the music because what i this is what i and i later on the show i also want to say what i if i were to remake it what i would do but i discussed this already with roy and he liked the idea what they should have done was take out the song that 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 um his dad was singing and take that whole number out completely about about you know all that and when when popeye is singing that lullaby to sweet pea after he's been kidnapped instead of it going and showing sweet pea at the at the, at the boat and then fading out of that it should have then gone to what's his name sea pappy poop deck pappy. poop deck pappy sorry it should have gone to poop deck pappy looking at the kid and then holding a picture that says my son and then he sings the same thing to popeye not knowing where he is because the baby reminds him of popeye that would have made it more touching it would have made it a lot more significant and we would have known at that point that yeah of course that's his dad we knew that but it would just solidify what we already knew it would make that whole moment where they're kind of singing singing a duet popeye singing the sweet pea pappy singing to popeye with neither of them really knowing that they're really singing to each other. And that would have been a very sweet moment. And that would have been a better moment musically overall. But no, we get that song that he's singing on the boat about the kids pissing them off. And, you know, again, you know, Grandpa's off his meds moment. And then the other song he's singing about is not easy being green, me, whatever. I don't know. Sorry, Kermit. So, you know, um, but yeah. But for me, the music, that's, that's where this film fails. It really should not have been a musical at all. No. No. It really shouldn't have been. I agree. This shouldn't have been a musical. It should have been just a straightforward film. Open with Popeye the Sailor Man, close with Popeye the Sailor Man, and take the music completely out. Maybe he needs me because it was a good song, but something to tie it together. But this should not have been a musical. Mm. Andy? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I agree. Like, nothing makes sense in this movie, so... Yeah. Well, you know, especially the music, um, just all, I don't know, man. It just was, it's just, it's a bizarre film. Like I said, it made me uneasy and maybe it's cause you know, I didn't prepare myself to be uneasy with this film. I thought it was going to yeah. be kind of, you know, uh, straight down the, straight down the barrel for what it seemed like it was going to be. And then it wasn't, um, but it, it made me uneasy. It did. It's weird, too, because I remember when I was a kid, I found the film fun. And right. now I'm rewatching it, and I thought to myself, what about this was fun when I was a kid? And see, I was 10 years old. And I turned to my mom, and I said, Mom, can we go home? <laughs> she says, no, I paid two bucks for this ticket. You're going to watch this movie. Did anybody else feel like the the scene... Like, and I don't know why, if, if they had to or what was going on for padding, but the scenes felt like they went on way too long. Oh, they did. Yeah, they they really, really did. I mean, I, I love I know that Robert Altman with his films loves to have scenes like that where people are talking over each other mm-hmm. and and, you know, just exposition upon exposition. And, Again, and muted chaos and muted chaos. But it doesn't work for Popeye. I mean, it really doesn't. Popeye's muttering is one thing when he's muttering under his breath. Oh my God. The dinner scene at the beginning gave me anxiety. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's a prime example right there. The dinner scene that just was too much going on. And well, the, the fight scene, the first fight scene with the, the, the sailors in the bar, mm-hmm. that scene went on so long. That was such a long scene and it yeah. didn't need to be like, keep like like we get the point but he kept making people like apologize and then like putting people on stoves and you know putting people's heads through the floor but and it just was like a really long uncomfortably long scene yeah it really was i mean even the 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 boxing scene which you know is something straight out of a popeye film yeah that was the only acceptable scene in the movie by the way i mean that makes sense but even that could have been trimmed uh, with what they did, but yeah, that was the only that time and 
the final battle between you know Bluto, Popeye, and the octopus, those were the only moments that felt genuinely to me like Popeye. And yeah. the, re- the rest of the film did not feel like Popeye to me at all. I concur, 100%. So, Chris, you gave me what you would have done if you were making a Popeye movie. Yes. Tell our listeners what your idea okay. was. Okay, basically, it's very similar to how we already got as far as the opening goes. Popeye is a storm happening. Popeye comes to Sweet Haven looking for shelter during the storm. His boat has pretty much been ransacked with the, with the waves. He has to repair. His boat is damaged. He washed up on shore, and he has to have his boat repaired to find shelter and, and a place and, and lodging for a few days while he stays in town. No big deal. He finds a room for Rink at the Olive Oil house, and it's Olive Oil, it's her mom, her dad, and Castor, and that's it. That rabbi who's there, don't know why he's there. Why is Wimpy hanging out at the oil house? Who knows? Doesn't matter. So anyway, it kind of follows this almost the same basic story. He's looking for his dad. He gets caught in the storm. He goes to Sweet Haven, finds lodging, has to repair his boat. No big deal. It's on the eve of Olive Oil and Bluto's engagement, which makes sense. And the reason why, however, what we realize is that the reason why Olive Oil is engaged to Bluto is because Bluto is one of the wealthiest men in town and her family is poor because he works for the Commodore. So she's only marrying him for money. And in the song, one of the songs that she sings, he's large. She kind of confesses that, but again, there's no song. But in the movie, she confesses to her, her sisters or whoever is there in the bedroom with her. That's the only reason why she's marrying him. And Bluto hears this, gets mad, and tears up the house and breaks off the engagement. Well, because of this, she decides to run away, and she runs into Popeye. Well, they're talking or whatever. And she, you know, she's, run, she's doing her leaving. Popeye's trying to do what he needs to do. They run into each other. And they decide, and they become kind of frenemies a little bit because she thinks because she's neurotic, and the, basically that all kind of plays out as it did in the movie anyway. Also, they're kind of neurotic to each other. She's like, she, he's thinking, well, she's psycho, and she's thinking, well, why are you getting involved in my business? This is my business, or whatever. But they they kind of become frenemies, but you kind of tell they kind of like each other. And then during this period of him trying to get his boat fixed and learning how the town runs, and all of both sides go ahead and stay anyway. What happens during this is that they become friends, and she tries to make up things with Bluto because she realizes, I need the money. My family needs money. So she kind of schmoozes her way back with Bluto, and he almost buys it, but he realizes that, you know, again, Bluto's not as dumb as we think he is. He's like, no, I don't think so. That's not going to work. And then she sees him. She, I mean, He sees her with Popeye, and they're getting kind of close and chunky me and he's like oh that's the reason why she broke up with me this guy's taken over and then the two of them start to have their little squabble and start to fight during this time they had their first they say the Bluto and Popeye had their first big fight and then Olive Oil finally sees Popeye for who he really is trying to take care of everything for himself trying to help out the family too and then Bluto you know she hates him well like they do kind of have a small romantic moment later on. She's trying to bandage up his hand and everything. He's not doing spinach yet. He's not that strong. Bluto definitely is stronger. And he beats the shit out of Popeye. Well, she's trying to bandage his hand and take care of his scars and stuff. And they kind of start falling in love. Next thing they know, they hear a baby cry. There's Sweet Pea at the, sto- at the doorstep of the oil house. They're like, someone left this, this kid here with a note saying, please take care of my brat. So I can come back and get him later. So they take the kid in, and they're like, we got to try and find who this kid belongs to. We can't keep this kid. Well, in the meantime, the whole thing with the Commodore is going on, and, and Ludo and the Commodore are doing their thing like they did in the movie, still harping back to the original film. And then what happens is that Olive Oil and Popeye fall in love, and Ludo this deciding he wants to make one more chance with olive oil just to see really where her intentions are. And he comes to the house, and again, he overhears Popeye olive oil, you know, basically professing their love, all like Christina Raul in Phantom of the Opera style, their love for each other, very phantomish. Mm-hmm. And he gets mad again. He busts in the door. He grabs Popeye and was beating the holy crap out of him. Well, during this second fight, 
the sea hag shows up and kidnaps. They finally get done fighting. They're both just completely pulverized. Olive oil is like, okay, stop this insanity. I know who I want, blah, 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 blah. Bluto, you got to go. And they turn around and they realize, well, Popeye goes, where's Sweet Pea? And they're like, well, we thought he was here. And they realize that he's been kidnapped. They find a note. I got your kid. If you want him, blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out the sea hag has Sweet Pea. And now Bluto realizes that this kid's in trouble. So Bluto and Popeye put aside their differences to go find Sweet Pea. Turns out the sea hag kidnapped Sweet Pea to bring Sweet Pea to the Commodore, which is Poop Deck Pappy. And we find out that he's the Popeye's dad. That that kind of plays out. Once of Bluto kidnapping Sweepy, it's Sea Hag that does it. And Bluto decides to put his, his his grievance aside with Popeye to work with them to find the Sea Hag, find Sweepy, and bring the kid back to safety. And realizing that, and even though Bluto does work for the Commodore, he doesn't know that Sea Hag is kind of behind the scenes of things. And so then when they finally get the Sea Hag on this big island thing which kind of happens the same way. They have this big battle with Sea Hag. They beat her, you know, all to crap. She swims off. Popeye and Blue, for the good of everybody, decides we can't be, we can't fight like this anymore. Our fighting is what's causing all this destruction. They become friends. All of and Popeye are happy, happily ever after. Sweet Pea's back with them. Popeye is down and reunited. Bada bing, bada boom, it's done. The first two acts are Popeye and Blue fighting. The third act is trying to save Sweet Pea from the Sea Hag. And everything is fine. No. no songs. No. Instead, we get a lot of existential songs and uh, yeah. um, dread and horrors yes. and prostitution. Yeah. Prostitution and, and yeah. And and dread. Yeah. <laughs> existential dread. Yeah. Yes. Popeye, I, I love that the people in Malta went back and repainted the set with bright, vibrant rainbow colors. Yeah. If you look at if you if you look at the Popeye Village today, if you look at the photos. Does it mean the park? It, it's bright. It's colorful. Yeah. It's it's like the vibrant, cartoon used to be. Just like how the cartoon was when they went to color from black and white. And I'm like, wow. Even they knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that could have been a, a segment in, the, in, in my in my movie too. Is that when it begins, it's all kind of dark and dreary because they're all downtrodden people because the Commodore has all the money. But then when they get back to town with Sweet Pea and everything is all happy and fine, the town paints repaints everything and rebuilds everything. The Commodore gives all the money back and realizes what I've been compensating for is the loss of my son. I got my son. Well, I'm, I'm happy again. Let's relax and let's rebuild the town. And they rebuild it and now it's all bright and vibrant and colorful. Like to show a transition, very Wizard of Oz style from gray and dark and bleary to happy and joyful and colorful. Just like the cartoon. Mm-hmm. That's not what we got. That's all we got. No. Would you recommend this movie? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I would only recommend it to those who are fans of Robin Williams and want to see his very first feature film. That's, yeah. that, that's the only reason why I'm going to keep my copy of the movie is because it's his first feature film. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan. Well, and Shelley Duvall was just amazing as all. Oh, this was her role. Well, I mean, I think Robin Williams did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. The casting was great. The, the casting was fantastic. They nailed the casting with this. And like yeah. I said, everybody gave it their all with the material that they had. They were trying so hard to be who the characters are supposed to be. Except yeah. except for Bluto. I didn't buy him as Bluto. He was Well, I, I think mean, he could have done it. I think I think it was good casting. I think he could have done it. I just think that the writing and the direction was so bad for it. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, maybe it's something in the comic strip. Um, I don't remember Bluto constantly having flies around him. No. And it's like every time they did a close-up of Bluto, you heard the sound of flies flying around him. Um, well, there and- was nothing redeeming. Like, like Bluto was fun in the comics because he always got his, you know, right away, or at least close to right away. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of a bumbling oaf that was big and strong, mm-hmm. you know? And in this, he wasn't. He was just a straight-up villain. He was a straight-up yeah. villain. There was nothing. There was nothing humorous about his character no. or anything. I think it was good casting, bad writing, or bad yeah. direction. One of the, the two. screenplay. Really, the the, the the core at this film is that screenplay. Yeah. It is a horrible, 
horrible screenplay. Songs with notwithstanding, that screenplay is just it's a vacuum cleaner. It sucks and blows. <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it, that would be the only reason why I would recommend Popeyes if you want to see his first performance and and see a great performance from Shelley Duvall, but that's it. I can't recommend this movie for this, any other reason. This is a film you would show to aspiring directors on how not to make a movie. Yeah, how not to do an adaptation of a beloved cartoon character. Just make a movie. Right. <laughs> Regardless of what it is. All right. Well, Andy, your, your, take, your final take on the film? Oh, I already said I just I'm going to go with a flat no. You know, <laughs> yeah. if you're a if you're a if you're a fan of Robin Williams, you're going to watch this movie no matter what I say. If you you know if you have a passing interest, um, don't watch the film. Like yeah. there are a million great Robin Williams films. This isn't one of them, and it's not his fault. So I don't want to leave that taste in your mouth. Yeah. The only thing flatter than this script is Shelley Duvall. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Yowza. <laughs> ah, so are we ready to announce the movie for February? I'm ready to hear it. Let's do All it. Right. So I have a question for you, uh, Mr. Mr. Farmer. Uh, growing up, did you have a teddy bear? Oh, you know, you know, I did at some point. I'm sure. <laughs> and was this teddy bear someone that you you know hugged and loved and shared your secrets with? I'm gonna say yes. Okay. That was a long did, time ago, but I'm going to okay. say yes. Okay. And did this teddy bear ever respond back by telling you to bring people into the middle of the forest and shove them into a pit? No. Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, I was going to say, because if, if so, then our movie for February would probably bring back happy memories then for you. Uh, if not. <laughs> um, our film that we're going to be – originally I was going to do um, – my Bloody Valentine, because of it being February and Valentine's Day. But um, yeah, that movie's been done to death. It's also one of my favorite horror movies. So <laughs> I've seen it a million times, so it doesn't fit the profile of the show. However, a film just recently dropped on Shudder that I've heard about and I've been curious about and been wanting to see for years. And I, I've seen a couple clips of it and read the synopsis, and I'm like, oh, this is so batshit bonkers. We've got to do this film. And it's the 1980 film, The Pit. Okay. Uh, and it is about a kid who gets a teddy bear who is possessed and is telling him to take these people to the middle of this forest and throw them into a fit where these night creatures are at the bottom of the pit waiting to eat the humans. Sweet. Um, so it's Popeye. All right. <laughs> Um, the scene that made me uh, that I saw that made me finally go, okay, we got to do this one. <laughs> a scene with this old woman in a wheelchair that he pushes into the pit, um, <laughs> all, all, all Mac and me style, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, we got to do this one. So that is our film for February, folks. Is the pit? If you have Shutter, you can find it on there. Um, again, Popeye. If, if it ever becomes free streaming again, then maybe if you're really morbidly curious, but I would say save your money for renting it. Hey, I don't know if it's possible, but um, maybe you can take us out with some uh, some uh, sweet Jane Fonda workout music. I don't know oh, if it's possible geez. to do that. Oh, my God. Um, I have no idea if I could get it copied over. Yeah. So, Mr. Farmer here. <laughs> Decides to surprise me by sending me a copy on vinyl of the Jane Fonda workout, um, complete with linear notes on how to do the exercises that literally look like IKEA instructions. So good, it's so um, good. And I, I, out of curiosity, I haven't listened to the advanced workout disc yet. I've only oh. listened to the beginning workout LP, but it, I, I'm, it's so weird hearing her barking orders on what to do over the Jackson's can you fill it or looking for love in all the wrong places. It's like <laughs> looking for love and all the wrong exhale. You know? <laughs> yes. It's and so fun. good. I, and, I did and, not know that that's what the way it was. I thought it was just straight music. And then you had the workout accompaniment in the liner notes so that you could oh, no, no. She, she's bark, She's barking the orders over the, oh. over the 
songs. You yeah. Sent that, you sent me that uh, sound clip from it, and I was like, this is amazing. This is the best thing that I've ever found Fun. in my entire life. And three. Now move your seven <laughs> and eight and nine and side and side yeah and she's not even like jazzercising it either where she's you know like she's serious she's being dead serious she's just like come on i did glute and now you're going to do your glutes you know basically (laughs) yeah Uh, Yeah, i found it at the thrift store and i just watched one of my movies i was like roy roy would love just to have this before i even took the slid the discs out to look and make sure they're in decent shape and then the liner notes had the, the the diagrams of how to do and i was like this is going straight to him and then to be blessed to be blessed queen with the uh her voiceover over the music on vinyl is just oh chef's kiss it's so it's so good it's 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 wow i mean it's it's definitely wow and the thing is is listening to it i'm going okay did people actually think she was doing these exercises in the recording studio when she recorded her voiceover on these songs (laughs) just sitting there with the script in front of her going okay and one and two and inhale and exhale now stretch and reach you know meanwhile the the eagles are playing you know while you're doing these I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy that it's that it exists. That's all. <laughs> this was actually the audio that was lifted from one of her workout videos. That's why it's like that. Yeah. That's what it is. It's it's wow. Which I don't care so what it is. Fun. Just slap it on there, play it up. I want to hear it. <laughs> all right, gang. So again, um thanks to everybody who in the past contributed to our Patreon. Thanks for making that a thing to get us through to 2020 um if i mean if ever the occasion comes up again like like we said we'll bring it back but as as for now we're at a point where this show can continue uh so thank you very much again and uh spread the word about our show we're on spotify um you can find us at coldcinemacatacombs.podbean.com find us on twitter at uh, these films exist we're still on facebook as well if you uh still do the facebook But, um, yeah, we'll be here next month with The Pit. Talk to you all later. Left, forward, now reverse, head back, right, forward, head left, and back, right, forward, now shoulder lifts, right, lift, and left, lift, and right, lift, and left, lift, and three, lift, left, lift, four, and right. Left, lift, and five, lift, left, lift, and six, lift, left, lift, and seven.